Lesson 6 from February 1 to 7, From Arrogance to Destruction. Sabbath afternoon, February 1. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the book of Daniel, not only is history revealed, but your grace and your foresight is revealed. And we thank you that people like Daniel were able to stand and give us an example to stand, but also that we can find faith here because of your leading and your guidance. Bless us as we open your word this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. And he changed the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Let's read that again, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In Daniel chapter 5, the word of God gives us a powerful example of human hubris that ends in a stunning and dramatic way. Though one could say that it takes Nebuchadnezzar a long time to learn his lesson, at least he learned it. His grandson, Belshazzar, does not. In using the temple vessels in a palace orgy, Belshazzar desecrates them. Such an act of desecration is tantamount not only to a challenge of God, but an attack on God himself. Thus, Belshazzar fills up the cup of his iniquities, acting in ways similar to the little horn of Daniel chapter 8, which attacked the foundations of God's sanctuary. Let's just read Daniel chapter 8, verses 8 to 11. Therefore, the male goat grew very great, but when he became strong, the large horn was broken, and in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars of the ground, and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down." By removing dominion from Belshazzar, God prefigures what he will accomplish against the enemies of his people in the very last days. The events narrated in Daniel 5 took place in 539 BC, on the night Babylon fell before the Medo-Persian army. Here occurs the transition from gold to silver, predicted in Daniel chapter 2. Once more, it becomes evident that God rules in the affairs of the world. Sunday, February 2, Belshazzar's Feast Question, read Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, along with Daniel 1, verses 1 and 2. What is Belshazzar doing that is so bad? How does it reveal his true character? Compare his actions with Revelation 17, verses 4 to 6. What parallels can you find? 
First of all, Daniel 5, verses 1 to 4. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords, and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine, and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Daniel chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. And then we're comparing this with Revelation 17, beginning at verse 4. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations, and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marvelled with great amazement." The king commands that the sacred utensils of the Jerusalem temple be used as drinking vessels. Nebuchadnezzar seizes the vessels from the Jerusalem temple, but he places them in the house of his God, which shows that at least he respects their sacred status. But Belshazzar turns the sacred vessels into drinking utensils in a most profane way. While drinking from the sacred vessels, Belshazzar's lords praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone, we read in Daniel 5 verse 4. It is worth noticing that six materials are mentioned. The Babylonians used the sexagesimal system, a system based on the number 60, in contrast to the decimal system used today based on the number 10. Thus, the six categories of gods represented the totality of the Babylonian deities and therefore the fullness of the Babylonian religious system. Interestingly enough, the order of the materials follows the order of the components of the great dream of Nebuchadnezzar except that wood replaces the clay, as in the dream, stone appears last, although here it designates the material composition of idols, Stone also evokes God's judgment upon worldly empires, which Babylon symbolizes. And we look now at Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. 
This feast serves as an apt representation of end-time Babylon, as seen in the book of Revelation. Like Belshazzar, the woman in end-time Babylon holds a golden cup and offers polluted drink to the nations. In other words, by means of false doctrines and a distorted worship system, modern Babylon lures the world into evil, as we've just read in Revelation 14, verses 4 to 6, oblivious to the judgment that will soon fall upon her. One day, judgment will come. So, to finish today, what are ways in which our society and culture profane the truth of God's word? How can we be careful not to take part in that profanation, even in subtle ways? Bring your answer to class on Sabbath. Monday, February 3, An Uninvited Guest Question, read Daniel chapter 5, verses 5 to 8. What happens, and why does the king respond as he does? In what ways does this account parallel Daniel 2, and why is that parallel important? Also look at Psalm 96, verse 5, and Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17. So first of all, we look at Daniel chapter 5, beginning at verse 5. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom." Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. And Psalm 96 verse 5, For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And Colossians 1 verses 15 to 17, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. As Nebuchadnezzar does in previous crises in Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 4, Belshazzar calls the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers to clarify the mysterious writing. Daniel 2 verse 2 reads, Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And Daniel 4 verse 7, Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers came in and told them the dream. But they did not make known to me its interpretation. And to make sure that they gave their best, the king promises them extravagant honours. 
1. Purple clothing, a colour worn by royalty in ancient times. As we read in Esther chapter 8 verse 15, So Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal apparel of blue and white, with a great crown of gold and a garment of fine linen and purple, and the city of Shushan rejoiced and was glad. 2. A chain of gold, which was a sign of high social status. As we read in Genesis 41-42, Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen, and put a gold chain around his neck. And three, the position of third ruler in the kingdom. This last reward reflects accurately the historical circumstances of Babylon at that time. Because Belshazzar was second ruler or co-regent with his father, Nabonidus, he offers the position of third ruler. But despite the tempting rewards, the sages once again failed to provide an explanation. On top of all his sins, then, the king attempts to find wisdom in the wrong place. The Babylonian experts cannot uncover the meaning of the message. It is written in their own language, Aramaic, as we shall see tomorrow, but they cannot make sense of the words. This might remind us of what the Lord speaks through Isaiah. In Isaiah 29 verse 14, For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. After quoting this verse, the Apostle Paul states in 1 Corinthians 1, 20-21, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Some truths are too important to be left for humans to try to figure out for themselves. That's why God, instead, reveals these truths to us. And so, to finish today, think about what the rewards were going to be, and, given what was soon to follow, worthless those rewards really were. What should this tell us about just how fleeting things in the world can be and why we always need to keep the perspective of eternity in mind in all that we do? Tuesday, February 4, Enter the Queen. Question, read Daniel chapter 5, verses 9 through 12. What does the Queen say about Daniel that the king should have known already? What does it say about him that he seems ignorant even of Daniel's existence? Daniel 5, verse 9. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. 
There is a man in your kingdom, in whom is the Spirit of the Holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. As the banquet hall is thrown into confusion because of the mysterious message on the wall, the queen comes and provides direction to the befuddled king. She reminds the king about Daniel, whose ability to interpret dreams and solve mysteries has been demonstrated during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. If Belshazzar were as smart as his predecessor, he would have known where to turn to find the meaning of this mysterious writing. The intervention of the queen proves necessary for the king, who at this point seems utterly at a loss as to what to do next. Her words sound like a rebuke to Belshazzar for having overlooked the only person in the kingdom who can interpret the mysterious writing. And she also gives the king an oral resume of Daniel. The prophet has the spirit of the holy God, light and understanding and divine wisdom, excellent spirit, knowledge. He is capable of understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles and explaining enigmas. He was chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans and soothsayers in Nebuchadnezzar's time, as we read in verses 11 and 12. At this point, we again wonder why Belshazzar had ignored Daniel. The text does not offer a direct answer to this question, but we presume that at this time, Daniel, after serving the king at least until the third year of his reign, um, is no longer in active service. Daniel 8 verse 1 reads, In the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. And Daniel 8 verse 27, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. One factor could be Daniel's age. He's probably around 80 years old, and the king may have wanted to replace the old leadership with a younger generation. The king also may have decided to ignore Daniel because he did not want to commit himself to Daniel's God. But, whatever the reason or combination of reasons, it remains striking that someone with such a portfolio as Daniel's could be forgotten so soon. And so to finish today, read Romans 1, verses 16 to 32. In what ways do we see the principle expressed in these texts manifested, not just in this story, but also in the world today? Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse." Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonour their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed for ever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do these things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things." disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Wednesday, February 5. Weighed and found wanting. Question. Read Daniel chapter 5, verses 13 to 28. What is the reason Daniel gives for the soon-to-come demise of this king? Daniel 5, beginning at verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you, that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you, that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, If you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a gold chain around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. 
O King, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honour, and because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men, and appoints over it whomever he chooses." But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hands and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written, Meni, Meni, Tekel, Ufasen. This is the interpretation of each word. Meni, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Forced by the circumstances, the king resorts to consulting Daniel, but he seems to do so with reluctance. This may tell more about the attitude of the king toward the God of Daniel than toward Daniel himself. In turn, Daniel's response to the king's offer of reward says a lot about Daniel's priority and character. It also is likely that Daniel, knowing the meaning of the mysterious words, realises just how worthless the reward really is. Daniel then indicts the king on three counts. First, Belshazzar totally has ignored the experience of Nebuchadnezzar. Otherwise, he would have repented and humbled himself like his predecessor. Second, Belshazzar has used the temple vessels in order to drink wine and to praise his idols. Here, Daniel mentions the six kinds of materials used to make idols in the same order noted previously. Third, the king has neglected to glorify God, and one who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, as he says in Daniel 5.23. Having addressed the failures of the king, Daniel proceeds to the interpretation. Now we learn that the divine graffiti consists of three Aramaic verbs, with the first repeated. Their basic meaning should have been known to the king and his sages. Mini, counted, tekel, weighed, and Perez divided. With the Medo-Persian army at the gates of Babylon, the king and the sages must have suspected some ominous meaning in that writing. But the sages do not dare to say something unpleasant to the king. Only Daniel proves capable of decoding the actual message into a meaningful statement in order to convey its full meaning to Belshazzar. Mini, 
God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. That's Daniel 5, verses 26 to 28. Not exactly words of comfort and cheer. So to finish the day, judgment comes swiftly upon the king. How can we learn to trust God in cases in which, for the present, justice and judgment have not yet come? Let's look at Ecclesiastes 3, verse 17. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. And Ecclesiastes 8, verse 11, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And Matthew 12, verse 36, But I say to you that for every idle word men shall speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. And Romans 14, verse 12, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Thursday, February 6, The Fall of Babylon Question, read Daniel chapter 5, verses 29 to 31, along with Revelation 14, 8, 16, 19, and 18, 2. What can we learn about the fall of Belshazzar's Babylon that points to the fall of end-time Babylon? Daniel 5, beginning at verse 29. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about sixty-two years old. Revelation 14 and verse 8. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And Revelation chapter 16, verse 19, Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And Revelation 18, verse 2, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Whatever his faults, Belshazzar is a man of his word. So... Despite the bad news, he is satisfied with the interpretation given by Daniel, which is why he bestows upon the prophet the promised gifts. It appears that, by admitting the truth of Daniel's message, the king implicitly recognises the reality of Daniel's God. Interestingly, Daniel now accepts the gifts he has refused before, probably because such gifts can no longer influence his interpretation. Besides, at that point, such gifts are meaningless, since the empire is about to fall. 
Thus, probably as a matter of courtesy, the prophet accepts the rewards, knowing all the while that he will be the third ruler of the kingdom for only a few hours. Exactly as announced by the prophet, Babylon falls, and it does so quickly. While the king and his courtiers drink, the city falls without a battle. According to the historian Herodotus, the Persians dug a canal to divert the Euphrates River and marched into the city on the river bed. That same night, Belshazzar is slain. His father, King Nabonidus, has left the city already, surrendering himself later to the new rulers. Thus, the greatest empire humanity has ever known to this point comes to an end. Babylon, the head of gold, is no more. And in the Bible Echo of April 25, 1898, Ellen White writes, Belshazzar had been given many opportunities for knowing and doing the will of God. He had seen his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar banished from the society of men. He had seen the intellect in which the proud monarch glorified taken away by the one who gave it. He had seen the king driven from his kingdom and made the companion of the beasts of the field. But Belshazzar's love of amusement and self-glorification effaced the lessons he should never have forgotten, and he committed sins similar to those that brought signal judgments on Nebuchadnezzar. He wasted the opportunities graciously granted him, neglecting to use the opportunities within his reach for becoming acquainted with truth. And so to finish today, what opportunities do we have to become acquainted with truth? What does that mean? At what point can we say that we are acquainted with all the truth that we need to know? Friday, February 7. Large feasts were common in the courts of the ancient world. Kings loved to throw parties with extravagance and luxury to show their greatness and confidence. Although we do not know all of the details of this particular feast, we know that it took place when the Medo-Persian army was poised to attack Babylon. But humanly speaking, there was no reason for concern. Babylon had fortified walls, a food supply for many years, and plenty of water because of the Euphrates River flowed through the heart of the city. So King Nebuchadnezzar sees no problem in having a party while the enemy surrounds the city. And he orders a momentous celebration which soon degenerates into an orgy. What a powerful testimony to the hubris of humanity, especially in contrast to the power of the Lord. Through Daniel, God tells the king that despite the opportunities he's had to learn truth, the God who holds your breath in his hands and owns all your ways, you have not glorified, Daniel 5, verse 23. In Prophets and Kings, page 536, we read, The history of nations speaks to us today. To every nation and to every individual, God has assigned a place in his great plan. Today, men and nations are being tested by the plummet in the hand of him who makes no mistake. All are by their own choice 
deciding their destiny, and God is overruling all for the accomplishment of his purposes. End of quote. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. One, in class, discuss the answer to Sunday's question about the ways in which society and culture profane the truth of God. What are these ways, and how should we as a church, and as individuals, respond to those profanations? Two, what does this story teach us about how salvation is not so much about what we know, but about how we respond to what we know? Daniel 5.22 But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. Three, read Daniel 5.23 And you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, your concubines, have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand, and owns all your ways, you have not glorified." What important spiritual principles are found in this verse? For example, how does the text warn us against defiance of God? Or what does the text teach us about God as not only the creator, but also the sustainer of our existence? And four, even without knowing what the words mean, Belshazzar was frightened, as we read in Daniel 5 verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. What does this tell us about what it means to live with a guilty conscience? Inside Story. Our mission story this week is titled Better Than a Dentist, and it's by Madeleine Dush. The woman was grinning from ear to ear, but hours earlier, she told me, she'd been disappointed to learn that she couldn't receive a free tooth cleaning at the Pathway to Health Mega Clinic in the US state of Texas. The woman had joined a long line of people seeking health care and other services at the sprawling Will Rogers Memorial Centre in Fort Worth on the first day of the three-day free mega-clinic organised by Seventh-day Adventists. But when she reached the front of the line, she learned that no more dental openings were available for the day. Hopes dashed, she began to turn away when a volunteer suggested that she choose another free service. She opted for a vision checkup. After having her blood pressure and other vital signs taken, a requirement for all patients, she sat down with an eye doctor. The man looked at a printout of her vital signs and asked a few questions. He thought something wasn't quite right. Seeing a physician nearby, he asked for help. The physician examined her, ordered a sonogram, and diagnosed the woman with hypothyroidism, an abnormally underactive thyroid gland. He asked whether the woman suffered common symptoms of the condition, such as fatigue, irritability and depression, intolerance for cold and weight gain. Yes, for six years, the woman replied. 
She had visited various doctors, but none had been able to diagnose her condition. Her medical insurance didn't allow tests such as a sonogram, and she hadn't been able to afford to pay for more than a medical consultation. When I met the woman, she was leaving the Pathway to Health event. She told her story when Pathway to Health volunteers asked whether she was satisfied with her experience. I was able to empathise with her because I have hypothyroidism, an overactive thyroid gland. I thought I was dying a few months ago, I told the woman. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Once I started taking medicine, I felt much better. The difference was like night and day. You will feel so much better once you get this problem regulated. The woman was all smiles. I came for a tooth cleaning and I never would have found out what my real problem was if the dentist had seen me, she said. The way God worked this out has been such a blessing. And the author, Madeline Dish, pictured is a mother of two in Keene, Texas. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.